Welcome to the Brothers and Others Podcast. I'm your co-host Sam Marsh. And I'm your co-host Jacob Marsh. And together we are the Marsh Brothers. Welcome back to the Brothers and Others Podcast. I'm your co-host Sam Marsh. And we are excited to finally be back with everybody. Apologies on our absence. We had some major technical delays. Major, uh, major. major. Uh, this one was actually recorded all the way back in June, and we're finally able to get it out and published to everybody. So we're really excited. Um, recently, I know I've been really getting into Arrested Development, kind of late on the train as always when it comes to TV shows, but uh, if anybody hasn't checked it out, highly, highly recommend getting into Arrested Development. Uh, it's Larry David, one of the co-creators of Seinfeld. Uh, the character George was actually based on him, so I would describe uh, Cur- uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. I always get that in Arrested Development confused. I don't know why, but it's Curb Your Enthusiasm is what I've been watching. Um, and since George was based on him, it's basically like watching a real life George interact with people. So it's really funny. Uh, Jake, I know you've been watching a lot of Apple TV shows recently with the family. Uh, any particular ones stand out that you'd recommend to our audience? Blackbird was really good. Uh, just a crazy true story based on a true story type thing. It's got, you know, it's got murder, intrigue, drugs, guns. It's kind of, uh, it's like a murder mystery novel wrapped up. Tom Cruise Mission Impossible type situation, which is, I, I mean, it's just really interesting. And um, other than that, you know, a little disappointed with the, the end of Ted Lasso, but I'll get over it. Um, yeah, all in all, uh, I, I would say I've been pleasantly surprised with a lot of the stuff that Apple's come out with recently. And uh, yeah, hopefully something new will be coming down the pipe here shortly. I know Record of Ragnarok is supposed to come out with uh, some more episodes from Netflix, not terribly far from now. Um, but I am in the dog days of summer because can't watch uh, Gemstones until all the episodes are out. That's, that's how my wife and I like to do the seasons, because uh, just go through them in one straight shot. So super excited for that. Once the season's over, I'll be able to get our, uh, to get our fill in. But yeah. And I do hope the Gemstone Season 3 picks up because I will be honest, it is not hitting as hard as the other seasons. Uh, in my personal opinion, I think the biggest reason is that they've spent too many time, uh, too much time trying to delve into 10 different plots instead of focusing on maybe one or two. So it just doesn't seem as fleshed out as the other episodes or as the other seasons, excuse me. On uh, some other exciting news, be on the lookout as our next podcast after this will revolve around Tiger King and a very, very special guest. Um, but an even more special guest is the one that we have on this pod, Ernest Patton Jr. Hailing from Southern California, Apple Valley, to be exact, circa 1991, Ernest played high school, football, college, and even a little bit of semi-pro before handing the cleats up in 2013. He's now been in Texas for a collective 10 years as of this August. Besides talking with the Marsh Brothers, his other interests include cycling, sports video games, and Mary Jane. Do, 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 Mary Jane! It's one of my favorite Rick James songs. 
He also loves true crime and shit. We hope you all kick back, relax, and enjoy the pod. It's going to be a great one, as always. Any questions, comments, concerns, send us an email or tag us on Twitter. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Brothers and Others podcast. I'm your co-host Sam Marsh. And I'm your co-host Jacob Marsh. And today we have none other than Ernest Patton Jr. A.K.A. Easy E. A.K.A. the Admiral of Apple Valley. Uh, the Big Mac himself. What's up, Ernest? What's happening, Ethan? What is happening, fellas? I'm super excited to be on and... I wanted to tell you guys that this is episode 17. 17's my favorite number. So I guess it's just right that I'm on this one. And I'm super pumped. My first appearance on a podcast. So let's get it going. It was meant let's to go. Be. How'd you uh, come about picking 17 as your favorite number? Dude, so it's like, it's kind of a funny story, kind of not. But I played T-ball when I was a kid. Uh, my team was the Braves. <clears throat> and... I was like one of two players who didn't have a number on their like a shirt, of course, like back then we just had like shirtsies, not real jerseys. Um, and I went up to bat and the dude yelled down from the press box and asked me what my number was. For some reason, 17 came out of my mouth. And since then, I've ran with it. Hell yeah, that's awesome. Mine's uh, 13 and 7. 13 I just picked because... Uh... I was born in October, and I always like Halloween stuff. So since it was like the unlucky number, I was like, "Oh, I'll make it my lucky number." Uh, and then seven uh, because of Mike Vick. And, and I'm I can't thir- blame you for that. I'm thirteen and twenty, but I was actually number seventeen my freshman year of high school in water polo. UP fun fact: um, that was my number until number thirteen became available. So I've always had a soft spot for number. See, I knew we had more of a connection in somewhere in sports because I surely wasn't playing water polo. <laughs> I bet you would have been good as hell at water polo, though, man. I, I know you like to get down, get aggressive with people. You you would have handled yourself just fine, I'm sure. As, as long as they would have let me just hold on to the side the whole time. <laughs> um. You know what, though? It's funny you mentioned that EP because there's a funny story I wanted to tell. I brought a, uh, an old coworker of ours to a master's water polo practice one time. Uh, this was a year or two ago. And he was struggling the whole time, but he was giving it his best effort. And I really couldn't have been prouder of him. But probably 30 minutes into the practice or so, he just disappears. And all of a sudden, probably half an hour later, he comes out and he's dressed and everything. And I'm like, yo, what's up? He goes, Hey man, I got to get out of here. Um, I got something to do, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'll see you at work. So at the end of the practice, the guy who's running the pool comes out and he's like, Hey, which one of you puked in the suit drying machine? And we are like, what are you talking about? None of us have thrown up at this practice at all. Like, What's going on? He accused a couple of us of being drunk, and we're like, no, man, get get the fuck out of here. You don't know what you're talking about, blah, 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 blah. So I talked to my buddy at work the next day, and uh, I'm like, yeah, so what's up with you leaving early? Like, what happened? He was like, oh, man, I got out. I wasn't feeling good. I was dead, and I puked. 
and I just had to get out of there. And I was like, wait, what did you puke in? And he was like, well, there was this like sink looking thing that I just opened the lid and I was like, did it have a green stripe around it? And he was like, yeah. I'm like, was it in the corner and not next to anything? He's like, yeah. I'm like, dude, you puked in the suit drying, in the suit drying <laughs> Oh, poor guy. That is wild. I remember he. Came, I remember he came to work the next day, in complete pain. Story. <laughs> and for good reason too. I felt so bad for him. And to this day, the the pool does not know who puked in it. So. Ooh. That's foul. <laughs> Speaking of uh, food going, uh, the I know we were talking about it on Twitter, but steak, shrimp, fried chicken, and ribs, one has to go. Which one are you guys? Oh. For me, man, shrimp's out of there. It, it's an easy call. I think I've eaten it once in my life, and that was it, and I'll never do it again. Really? So that's an easy call for me. Only one? Yeah, Megan. Yeah, and I don't, I'm don't. i not a seafood person in the first place. Like, I don't do shellfish really at all. Uh, my fiance has got me into trying lobster, and it's not bad. I'll eat, or no, crab. Um, I'll try crab cakes and whatnot. Yeah, but crab cakes not, like, are delicious. Right, it, just, it just throws me off. The, like, taste has to be as far away from the ocean as possible. Fair. Damn. Understandable. Yeah. It's not for I, everybody. I mean, especially uh, if you don't like fish or any, like, shellfish to begin with, it's certainly going to be an easy call. I love seafood, though. See, what's crazy? That's why it's, like, so wild. It's, like, I'll eat fish that, like, you know, wiggles to swim, but I won't eat uh, shellfish. Things that can hide itself. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair um for me i mean it's definitely uh and like for when it says fried chicken we're not talking all chicken just fried chicken right just fried chicken just fried okay um yeah probably uh it's tough for me because i really don't eat that much fried chicken so honestly i'd probably say that or the ribs um because steak or shrimp is what i eat oh you gotta i used to come on a ton. Um, I'll I'll go with uh, fried chicken. I think yeah. That's fair. I just don't eat it very often. Very. I do good. eat a shit ton of chicken, just not fried. I would go with ribs personally because there are so many other bar- good barbecue options. And although ribs are partial to me, for me it comes down to ribs or fried chicken, just like with you, Sam. And ultimately, dude, there are sometimes when a a drumstick or like a really nice fried chicken thigh. Oh man, dude, it just, it, it really hits the spot sometimes, especially if you're craving that like really home. I don't, I don't know. I call it middle American food would probably be the easiest way to describe it. Like fried chicken, mac and cheese, mashed potatoes, you know, to a lesser extent, chili, um, but just comfort food, man. Yeah, I was going to say comfort. Yeah, I think, honestly, ribs would probably be, if shrimp wasn't there, ribs would probably be my option. And not because I don't like them, but I just don't have them enough or really go anywhere to have them enough. Because when you do, ribs are the most expensive thing on the damn menu. And like Jake said, there's plenty of other options that I can deal with and just leave the ribs alone. If I'm at like a barbecue and somebody makes them, Definitely going to have probably eight of them, but if I have to pay for it, 
it's going to be another option like brisket or something, especially since I've been in Texas. Are you yeah. a brisket guy? Are you guys both big brisket guys now that, that everybody's here in Texas, I'm assuming? I love some good brisket, man. And my fiance, that's her favorite meat. So, like, I really don't have a choice whenever it's an option. It's on something. So, I love it. Yeah, I'm with Ernest, especially since, like, Texas is known for its beef. I definitely try to eat more beef ever since I've lived down here just because I know it's going to be fresher and probably taste better. Yeah, I'm with you guys. The brisket down here is incredible. I really wasn't that I mean, I liked it, but I wouldn't say I was a huge fan of it until I moved here and tried tried some different kinds and, and whatnot. But Well, we're officially in the dog days of summer in terms of sports, fellas. Lame. Um, although, Ernest, uh, I know it seems like you follow baseball somewhat closely, at least with the Angels. Um, I gotta say, I was watched that highlight of Otani uh, when they beat the was it the Rockies like twenty three zip. That dude is built like a shit brick house, man. He is thick, bro. It's insane. Like he's like the. I mean, the closest thing I can compare him to is like Bo Jackson. Like he's not as thick down below as Bo Jackson, but as far as like athleticism and just like the way he's built, it's crazy. It's like. I didn't know they made them like that over there, man. It's insane. I I didn't realize that he was that bill until I saw that highlight. It was crazy. Because, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. he dinged that home run, and he had no business hitting that far. Uh, how are the Angels looking this year? Man, we're looking better than we have the past few years. Uh, but, I mean, we're going into, like, midseason, and this is around the time we start shitting the bed and start sliding back but we've been above 500 for almost a month now we came to texas and took that series three to one i got to see one of those games in person see otani pitch and hit two home runs so that was awesome and my buddy mike was upset about it so it's always good to throw that in his face but (laughs) the thing i'm just hoping man that we can at least get into the postseason um because at the end of the day if we don't do anything this postseason the chances of Otani getting literally a billion dollar contract from some other team um, is pretty much going to happen. Like we might see the first billion dollar contract in sports um, given to that man. I'm looking at probably like, I don't know, man, 13 years and a billion dollars, like very well can happen. He's two players in one. It's insane. That's crazy. What would be your pitch to somebody like Jake and I that don't watch baseball to start watching baseball? Honestly, man, I don't really know because I I don't I follow baseball solely just because I'm an Angels fan. Like I played it as a kid, but I can't say it was like my first love or anything like that. Uh, but I just I enjoy baseball because of the analytics of it, and in my opinion, it's the hardest sport to play. Um, you're asking somebody to go up to a plate and stare down the barrel of sometimes a 105-hour fastball that can literally kill you if it hits you um, and make contact with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I couldn't do it in a million years. Um, so I would just say if you're into analytics and just kind of the ins and outs of strategic sports, um, it's definitely something to give a try in person. Um, it's not a sport to watch on TV. Not even myself can watch it on TV. Um, but in person, man, the, yeah, like in person, the atmosphere, 
Um, just again, paying attention to the analytics and the ins and outs of like how good these guys have to be at everything they do um, in order to win a baseball game. Cause sometimes it's, you know, one home run to zero and that's it. Um, or you go into extra innings at zero, zero, and you just keep on playing, but like one home run can win a game or lose a game for you. And it comes down to making contact with a bat that's barely bigger than the ball. It's an insane sport to me. And like, that's kind of the things that I would pitch to somebody if I was trying to get them to watch at least one game. I couldn't try to drag you to a second one if you just didn't. like. (laughs) How was the Rangers new stadium? It has a roof and it has air conditioning. So in the summer, it's amazing compared to the whole globe life where you were sitting in the beating sun in the middle of the afternoon. Like there's not enough beer in the world to make you want to do that. Yeah, man, it's not happening. I can't imagine having to sit outside right now at like 2 p.m. on a Saturday. Absolutely not. Not at all. You couldn't really pay me to do it, man. (laughs) What do you so Shohei Otane? I know it's hard to do these sometimes, so obviously, if there's not a great answer, feel free to just pass on it. But is there anyone right now in any of the other major sports? So we'll say NHL and NBA, NFL. Is there anybody in any of those sports that is somewhat equivalent to what Shohei Otani does with his? batting and pitching ability uh, man there's not really another sport that you could like compare the two because he's doing two different things you know he's batting yeah. and he's I mean, an ace pitcher so it's tough but as far as just the level that they're that they're at in their respective sports um, my first comparison, like when people, cause like on Twitter, there's some like people don't watch baseball at all. And there was one time one of my buddies was like, can somebody explain this Shohei Otani guy to me in football terms? And I was like, it's literally Deion Sanders playing cornerback and wide receiver and returning kicks and punts, but on steroids because he's been doing it since he was 16. So like my secondary comparison is Luca because everybody said that Luca wouldn't be able to transition to the NBA from European basketball, same way people said that Otani probably wouldn't be able to transition as a batter into the MLB because he was facing higher quality pitchers, but he's made everybody have cake on their face with that. So I usually, as far as like coming from international to our American dominated sports, um, I compare him to Luca, but Luca doesn't play defense that great. So I couldn't really compare him on both aspects, but as far as how they transition from their respective countries, internationally to the United States and our dominated sports, I'd put him up there with Luca because Luca hit the ground running and so did Shohei. He was rookie of the year and he got AL MVP the next year after that. So it's wow. just insane the run that he's on, man. And how old is he now? I think he's like 25 or 26. So he's a lot of baseball left in him. Yeah, damn, that's wild. Um, transitioning coming up on the fall. Uh, obviously we got the NFL season coming up. Uh, what are you guys looking forward to? Number one for me right now, I would say is the rookie QB class. Uh, I'm really, really enticed to see what Bryce Young and CJ Stroud do, um, in Houston and Carolina respectively. And Anthony Richardson, Uh, baby, let's go. Yeah, that's. 
if if Anthony starts from week one, I honestly, th- and barring no injuries, knock on wood, I can see him as a rookie of the year candidate just because of how big and physical he is. But he also runs like Lamar Jackson. Like he's literally Cam Newton 2.0. Um, he's just got to dial in his accuracy and stuff like that. He, but his yeah. arm is legit. He needs his he arm just is... needs game experience too, man. The dude's barely played football, you know. And it's just you look at him and as a as a scout, you he played at Florida, so obviously he was a good enough athlete to play on one of the better premier college football teams. But I mean. Yeah, man, he's got a he's got a shit ton of raw potential. I'm really excited to see how he does. Yeah, and that's the exciting part, man. Like I said, like comparison to like Lamar Jackson, Lamar was super raw as far as a quarterback coming out of Louisville, you know, and Richardson is the same way. Like granted, Lamar's been on highlights since he was in high school, but like he never really had to throw the ball. He can throw the ball. I'm not saying he never could, but like he never had to at Louisville. Like, he was just killing people with his feet. But as he's had to develop into an NFL quarterback and run these different systems and whatnot, he's definitely turned into a better thrower, and that's how you win an MVP. And Richardson, I think his biggest positive right now is that he is so raw because if the right person gets their hands on him, they can turn him into a lethal weapon. He doesn't have a bunch of things in his brain that he's been told here, been told there. to fight against somebody trying to coach him. You know what I'm saying? So if he's coachable, like you can't teach athleticism, but you can coach the hell out of somebody. So if he's coachable and puts his athleticism and all of his talents and combine them together, he's going to be ridiculous. And he already has weapons to work with as long as JT and Michael Pittman stay healthy. Like it's going to be tough. That defense hasn't, lost anybody you know you have one of the best linebackers in the league so the Colts will be dangerous you know in the AFC South it's gonna be pretty fun to watch yeah I'm super excited I'm I was thinking about this earlier before about what I'm you know outside of the Colts obviously but your team up in the AFC East that's probably gonna be the toughest division in football this year and it isn't that crazy though? Like you think about the AFC East over the past twenty years, and it's just like it's been one team with maybe a second team kind of knocking on the wild card door. But overnight, essentially, you have a stacked QB room with all four of those teams. Pretty much, Mac Jones is at the bottom, sadly. But like you bring Aaron Rodgers over to the Jets, who were almost a playoff team if it wasn't for little baby face Zach Wilson just shitting the bed. Like, it's going to be scary, man. I won't lie to you. I don't have very much faith in us finishing better than fourth. So we'll put that out there now. Who do you think is going to win? The, who, who do you have winning that division this year? The Jets, I'm not going to lie to you. That defense is ridiculous. Really? Um, it, it seems like Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen have a little beef going on. Um, but if the Bills end up getting DeAndre Hopkins – or even the Pats end up getting DeAndre Hopkins, we might give everybody a little bit of trouble. But right now, I think the Jets have the most potential. Everybody's looking at A-Rod like he's washed up or whatever, but he didn't want to be in Green Bay last year, man. He was going through the motions, dude. Like, he still can move around in the pocket. His arm is still ridiculous. He just wants to be somewhere where he knows he can win. He wasn't trying to give effort last year. So I'm excited to see what he does with a lot of young talent around him. Um, and-
Interesting, because that's what I was going to ask you next, if you thought he was washed up or if he was going to have a comeback year and do really well again. Hey, man, that boy's been out there in dark caves doing psychedelics and shit. I don't know what he's going to come back. Look, for all I know, he might have got abducted by aliens and they put him through some experiment or something. But, like, I feel like he's going to come back and just give it, if anything, he's going to give it one last full go, you know, and give it his all because this is definitely a team that, I mean, honestly, with not too much effort can be a playoff team. Like I said, they were number one in our division for – a quarter of the year last year when the bills were struggling, but they had quarterback issues. You know what I'm saying? Like you had Zach Wilson who was losing the locker room. And then you had Mike white who was balling, but then throwing four interceptions after throwing five touchdowns a week before, like you can't do much with that dude, but like their defense only got better. As long as they pay Quentin Williams, like they haven't lost anything. And I hate to say it, but gang green is going to make some noise for, yeah, do they're going to be a really do, tough out. Do you guys think that the Jets could even make it all the way to the Super Bowl? No. Yeah, definitely. Ooh, I, absolutely. I can't – look, I can't say that because they still have to go through a gauntlet, which is they will probably meet the Bills somewhere along the way in the playoffs. Um, you got to go through Cincy still. We know who the king is in Pat Mahomes. Um, I another sleeper for me coming out of the AFC West is the Chargers because Justin Herbert finally has an OC who played the same position as him, and I they're not too far away in age. I think Kellen Moore is going to really help Justin Herbert take the next step, and I think he's going to have um, a step up kind of like Joe Burrow did when he was in the playoffs, but then came back the next year. And went to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying the Chargers are going to go to the Super Bowl, but I just don't. I think the Jets, they might crumble um, in the playoffs along the way against probably a little more talented team like Cincy or uh, Kansas City. And, and, and also, more experience, too. You know, that we've talked about yeah. the Jets are young, uh, both on offense and defense. They do have some veterans, but Rodgers is like, the elder statesman on that team. I just meant, like, could they go to the Super Bowl? Yeah, they could. They would need a little bit of luck to break because, I, to your point, Kansas City's way better than they are. Uh, Cincinnati is way better than they are. And as it stands right now, I I personally think Buffalo is still better. But, you know, like you were saying, who knows what's going on over there? I mean, yeah, but I, I do agree with you. Can they? Absolutely. It's just a matter of, like, all things falling in place. Uh, but one thing I'll tell you, dude, is the AFC, I think there's going to be at least two teams in each division in the AFC that's highly competitive the entire year. And I don't think we've seen that hardly ever, probably in our lifetime, but, like, even the AFC South, man, like, it, I don't know what Tennessee's going to do at quarterback, but as long <laughs> as Derrick Henry's back there running people over, they're going to have a shot with that defense and Mike Vrabel as their quarterback. I mean, as their head coach. But you're going to make Jake pretty happy. I want to see what Indy's going to do. I, if they trot the rookie out there, man, and that defense balls the way it has been, it's going to be very, very exciting. JT has to stay healthy. 
I mean, the Colts definitely, in my opinion, should win the division. The problem is Jacksonville is only going to get better, which sucks. And Tennessee, I mean, Mike Rabel is not Bill Belichick, but that team will win between seven and nine games every year just based on his coaching and having a veteran presence. You know, like you said, Derrick Henry is still there. He isn't going to rush for 2,000 yards, but – He's still a force of nature. They're going to be solid. Um, I don't know what the Colts are going to do. I, I would like to think that they could get to that 9 or 10 win range, but that's going to be tough, man. But they really did not play well last year, and uh, they're going to need the, – the coaching staff is really going to need to step up. I'm, I'm interested to see what the new guy can do. But um, I don't know, man. It's going to be wild. Uh what do you? Who do you like to come out of the AFC again this year, EP? What are you thinking? Man, realistically, I think since he's going to get back to the big show, uh, they they haven't really lost any pieces at all, and that's the only reason I say that. Uh, they haven't lost any pieces at all. They've only added pieces. Um, so I I would pick them right now. Early hot take would be Cincy to go to the big show. But my sleeper for the AFC is probably going to be the Chargers. Like, I think if they can stay wow. competitive and, and at least split the series, um, the two games with Kansas City in the regular season, um, I think they can make some noise in the playoffs. Their defense has gotten better. Um, older brother Bosa is healthy. They still have Khalil Mack over there. So they have a lot of veterans on that D-line and very talented veterans. Um, and they also have one of the best secondaries in the league. Um, I'd probably call them the no-fly zone right now. They have lockdown corners on both sides. Derwin James can play in the box. He can play over the top. Their defense is scary. And, you know, their offense, if they keep Eckler, he's a little upset with not getting paid. But if they can keep him, and we know if we play fantasy, he's a Swiss Army knife and literally can win an entire matchup for you by himself. So, like I said, Kellen Moore going over there, man, and – bringing in a new identity on the offense. Um, I think he's going to open up some things for Justin Herbert, and they're going to ball out. Like, they got that first-round rookie receiver at TCU. All three of their receivers are over 6'2", Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and the rookie. Um, and then, Jared, they kept Everett, I'm pretty sure, at tight end, and their O-line is still stacked. So, like, they're going to be – that's my sleeper right there out of the AFC. That's a good pick, man. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was a little surprised, but I do – I mean, I do agree with your point about Kellen Moore. I definitely think that's going to make him a hell of a lot better. Um, I'm going with Miami as my sleeper pick. If Tua is healthy, all the weapons they have, they have they have Jalen Ramsey now. They have one of the best defenses in football, in my opinion. It's going to be difficult to move the ball against them. Um and if two is healthy, man, I, I like Miami to make a deep run. I don't know if I'm going to say they're going to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, to be honest, I think I would be stupid to pick against Kansas City uh, for the time being. But, yeah, for a sleeper pick, I like Miami, man. I'm interested to see what they do this year. What are two can... chances to stay healthy, you think? I knew that Less was than 20%. <laughs> <laughs> but, Dude, Jake... that... 
<laughs> this poor guy, man. Yeah. This poor uh, it's gonna guy. Be, uh, the interesting thing about that, though, is gonna. I think this year they're rolling out um, the QB helmet. Like, there's a specific helmet that was designed for quarterbacks. Um, I don't know if it's a league rule that all quarterbacks have to wear it, but a lot of them already have been. Um, it's gonna look like I'm trying one to think of those who's one of them. Head. <laughs> I'm, yeah. pretty sure, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Trevor Lawrence wears one already. I think Dak wears one. Um, but no, Jake, I I really can't argue with you on the Dolphins pick, man. They, in my opinion, on a quick thought, probably have the best. Probably, I'd say Chargers have the number two secondary. Miami probably has the best because they still have Xavier Howard on the other side. They have oh, Byron Jones in the slot still, and then they added Jalen Ramsey. Um, I mean, their linebacker core is a little suspect, but, like, they can rush the passer. So that's really all you need is to get to the quarterback and have a lockdown secondary. And they also have this kid. Um, he's out of Oregon. I can't think of his name right now, but he's um, – I think he's their strong safety. He's ridiculous and only getting better by the year. So, you know, I hate to pick AFC East teams for anything, but yeah, I, I think the Dolphins are pretty good on defense, man. And like you said, if Tua stays healthy, he has unlimited weapons, man. It's like a damn track team. It is, dude. Um, speak, But weapons, though, so what, what's up with DeAndre Hopkins? What's the latest on him? I haven't really paid attention. Do you Have you been paying attention to, like, is he a free agent at the moment right now, or, or what's his deal? Yeah, uh, the Cardinals released him just pretty much just a contract dump. Uh, he visited Tennessee earlier in the month, visited Foxborough for the Patriots, and then he went to Buffalo. The rumblings lately that the reason Stefan Diggs has been, like, I guess upset in the facility or whatever is because he did a restructure of his contract um, because they said they were going to go after D hop D hop came and left and no contract got done. So I guess he was upset about it, um, but the contracts, yeah, the contracts out on the table are Tennessee, new England, and then Buffalo for as far as I've heard. Um, and his agent has said that they're muling over them, but that's all they've really put out there so far. Who's his Hopefully. agent? Is it that Rosenhaus guy? Is that it? I don't think it's Drew. I think it's uh, the other Mike Modulega or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. Damn. But hopefully he ends up in New England. I, uh, that would be great. God, what? why wouldn't he go to Buffalo? Why wouldn't – or not Buffalo, I mean uh, Baltimore. Why wouldn't Baltimore offer him up money? I don't – The only thing I would say that, about that is I don't think Baltimore can pay him what he wants – because he's going after the same kind of contract that they gave Odell. So it's like you're going to give two receivers the same amount of money that are both north of 30, one of them who you don't know if his knee's going to hold up. Uh, that's fair. But at the end of the day, I think it comes down to, like, affordability as far as, like, Baltimore reaching out to him to bring him in because it'd be, I mean, a no-brainer in my opinion if they could afford him. Uh, you can't have enough weapons, and everybody behind Odell isn't really proven. Um, they got the rookie Zay Flowers in the first round, but again, he has to touch the field first. But yeah, I think Diop, if he was smart, as much as I would love him to be in New England, would go to Buffalo. You know, you have Stefan and then you have Gabe Davis. So it's like you're not fighting anybody for that second spot, bro. So it's just like 
you would literally be matched up against probably their second best corner because the number one's going to take Steph on. It's just it would be unfair in my opinion, but you never know how the NFL goes. Yeah, um, I I'll be real interested to see. That was another team I didn't neither of us mentioned. Uh, I assume you're not terribly high on Baltimore this year either, Ben. Eh, not really, man. I know they paid Lamar, but it's just like if this was Odell four years ago, I'd be like, oh shit, they're going to the Super Bowl. But like, it's just the unknowns, man. Like right as of right now, your number one and number two receivers are somebody again who we don't know if his knee is going to hold up. He's coming off his second ACL in less than the same amount of years in about a year and a half's time. He hasn't like done anything but run drills in the past 365 days. Your second best receiver you just took in the first round out of Boston College. You have Rashad Bateman, who couldn't stay healthy last year with a foot injury. I mean, you have Mark Andrews, but, like, Mark Andrews, we saw what he did last year, everything that he could, and, like, they still couldn't get it done. And then J.K. Dobbins is supposed to be your number one running back, but, like, he was hurt all last year. So they have a lot of unknowns with people coming back from injuries who we haven't seen play either a full season or even a half a season. Um, And then we have to see what Lamar is going to look like and see how healthy he is because – we all saw, especially because I had him as my QB in fantasy in the league you guys were in with me, and we see how that worked out for me. He just wasn't himself. So even their QB, we have to see him back on the field and see how healthy he is because he can say all offseason that he's 100%, but doesn't mean anything until he's back on the field and starts cutting around because that wasn't a, a light knee injury he went through, and that's why they shut him down last year. Yeah, well, I mean, it makes sense, you know, and I'm right there with you. I'm intrigued to see how he does. I obviously want him to do really well. And, yeah, I mean, to your point, the first few weeks of the fantasy season, he was just absolutely killing it. And then, you know, it's kind of middle of the road. Uh, But speaking of, um, I know we wanted to chat a little bit about some upcoming potential fantasy nuggets. what are you what are some who are some people that you're targeting at least just looking at um that people might not be expecting either they're in a new situation or upgraded from a uh they stayed in the same spot but kind of maybe upgraded uh with someone leaving or you know anybody that you just kind of got your eye on what are you thinking for fantasy Man, I'm going to have to start with the rookie class, actually. So not anybody already in the, that was already in the league. But was one player I'm probably going to try to take in every single draft that I do in as late as possible, because hopefully people sleep on him, is Jordan Addison out of USC. He went to Minnesota. And he's the most polished route runner that came out this year's draft. And he might be a, not a better receiver, but a better route runner as far as how clean and crispy is than Justin Jefferson is, wow. those two together are going to be absolutely lethal. And I'm very excited for it. Like that's one like wide receiver duo that I would draft and have them both on my team because they're going to eat. And they and then we have what a full year of TJ Hawkinson coming into that offense. So, you know, that Vikings offense, man, those might be my nuggets all around. But to give you one off the top, Jordan Addison is probably going to be like my go-to player that I'm going to try to snag in every draft. Um, as far as veterans, uh, you know, I 
I, I might have to go after Odell, man. And D-Hop, depending on where he ends up. But, like, Odell's probably that flyer where it's like, we don't know what the hell's going to happen, and he can get hurt week one and ruin it for you, or he can turn into the Odell of old, and everybody's trying to trade for him. So, yeah, you guys kind of seen how I, like, operate my teams. He's going to be one of those where I try to get him late because people are unsure and stash him, and hopefully he just balls. Yeah. Moving over uh, to the NFC, what week do you guys think that Cowboys fans will switch to start talking about next season, saying that next season is their season? (laughs) (laughs) And I know all the I know all the homies are going to listen to this, but man, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it like uh, I don't know week week seven week seven. It's just look, man. I look. I don't. I don't hate teams for no reason. Like Dallas is gonna be a very good team, but Tony Pollard's their starting running back, and he, in my opinion, he's not an every down back. Um, he's a passing down back, third down back, however you want to look at it. Um, they got the rookie out of Kansas State, but that's not gonna make the table shake at all. Um, their O line's gonna be good as always, but this is another one of those things where it's like when Dak really has to step up and be that guy in the moment, can he do it? Can he complete that 40 yard pass to maybe not CD Lamb or you know, another one of his Michael Gallup? Can it be completed to that guy who's just in on the play because somebody was too tired? You know what I'm saying? Can he go put the put his body on the line for that extra yard to get the first down. Like that's what he wasn't doing last year. And I feel like that kind of set them back a little bit because it put in a lot of situations it put the defense back on the field without getting a lot of rest. And then you saw them crumble. Uh, But yeah, I mean, they're going to be a good team. They got Stefan Gilmore. Um, I think it was in trade from Indy. I don't think he was a free agent, but a trade from Indy. So like partnering him up with, um, Diggs on the other side, you know, Diggs is still a younger cornerback. He can learn a lot from him. And then they have Thompson. Um, he's like a fourth year rookie out of Texas A&M out of safety. He's been killing it and getting better and better every year. So they're going to be decent, but it's, you, they can't stop crumbling, bro. But, you know, my buddy Mike, Mike said they are going to make the NFC championship. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Do you think uh, the Eagles have the best shot at running it back? Or who do you like coming out? Uh, Eagles in the NFC have the best shot at running it back. 1,000%. Nobody has gotten better. Um, Their biggest challenge is going to be San Francisco again, Um, as long as, you know, they have a healthy quarterback. Uh, They sent Jimmy packing. They say Brock Purdy is going to be ready to go week one. Um, But they brought Sam Darnold in. Um, And then they have Trey Lance still over there, who was the number three overall pick just two years ago. And it's like people already forgot that. Uh, So we might see how he developed and see if he creeps back up and maybe takes the job from Purdy. Um, Or maybe Sam Darnold turns into who he was supposed to be coming out of USC five years ago. um, And he ends up being the guy. But San Francisco's only problem is quarterback. You can't look at any other part of their roster and find a weakness at all. Kind of the same with Philly, man. Like, they don't have weaknesses. And they literally 
have probably, in my opinion, a top five quarterback in the league currently. Um, so, yeah, Philly's probably my best to come out, and their biggest challenger is going to be San Francisco. In the Any other dark horse picks that you think could make noise? In the NFC? Detroit, baby. Hey, you you can't take that from me, man. <laughs> Detroit, look, Detroit, Rock City, damn it, Coney Island, all that. I need, I need the parade because I'm going to Detroit for the parade. Let's They're go, baby. Win the Super Bowl, and I'm smashing Coney dogs during a parade. Look, that man, Campbell has those boys fired up, ready to play. I like my fiance loves Dan Campbell. That's her favorite coach in the NFL because we watch Hard Knocks. <laughs> and like Dan Campbell, he's a good dude. And like he has a lot of youngsters up there. But you know, Jared Goff, he's a veteran quarterback now. And Jared Goff doesn't suck. He's a very good quarterback. He just needed to be in the right situation and need weapons around him and help. Their O line is good. I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown is in my opinion, a top 15 receiver in the league. And it's not just because he's out of USC, but they keep adding weapons. Jamison Williams, who we didn't see last year because he didn't play until I think the last two games, one of the fastest players in the NFL. Like they're going to be something to reckon with, man. Um, I don't know if they found a way to replace Hawkinson, but if they can get a decent, you know, middle of the road tight end to just be a safety blanket, um, and Jameer Gibbs, I don't know if you guys watched him in college at Bama, but let me tell you, a lot of people talk shit about them taking him in the first round. If he stays healthy, that is like Percy Harvin and fucking Adrian Peterson kind of put together, bro. Like he really? is little, but he will run you the fuck over. And he, you, you can't touch him in space, man. Go watch, like, look up Jameer Gibbs Alabama highlights after this, and you're going to be like, oh, goddamn. Like, that's why they shit. They were so, like, eager. Well, not eager, but it was easy for them to let DeAndre Swift go because they knew what they had. Like, it's going to be pretty fun to see them play. Um, It's all about the defense, though. And they got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson from Philly, veteran presence at safety, just won a Super Bowl. Um, He's going to help those young guys on the defense over there. So it'll be fun to watch them. But, yeah, like Jake said, that's – yeah, I'd say that's my dark horse too. Give me a reason to go to Michigan again. I love visiting up there. I don't think I can move yet, though. But it's like, okay, the only thing I want to say, though, about them drafting Jameer Gibbs, they had the number 12 pick. They also, at one point, I believe, had the number six pick, and they could have taken Bijan Robinson. So – do you think that it's just more of a system thing, and they think that Gibbs just fits whatever they're, whatever they want out of the out of the position? Because I thought that B. John Robinson, he's supposed to be like some Saquon Barkley generational type. A hundred percent, he is. Like he's probably the best running back prospect we've seen since Adrian Peterson, in my opinion. Um, he went to South Point Catholic in Arizona. So I've been, and he was supposed, he was literally like a f- commit flip at the 11th hour from USC to Texas because uh, we were in the Clay Helton era, but he should have been a Trojan. But he's a generational talent, man. But I think it was, like you said, it was more on the system thing. Um, 
for Detroit because they ended up, if I'm not mistaken, traded that higher pick to move back and get some later picks. Um, My questionable one, though, is taking that middle linebacker. Um, I hope it works out for them, but I don't think it was necessary because there was, I think, players that fit their needs more um, that high in the first round. And they have Malcolm Rodriguez, who was a rookie last year out of Oklahoma State, and he came on like a beast, and he fucking did a great job when they moved in the middle linebacker. But maybe they just thought he wasn't ready to lead the pack. Um, But I don't think bringing a rookie in in the first round was the person to come and lead the pack. I think they could have maybe maybe even traded that first-round pick to go get a higher-caliber veteran from some other team. But – that was the most questionable Detroit pick to me over Jameer Gibbs. But I hear you on Bijan, uh, but he's going to really, 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 really help Atlanta out. And if Desmond Ritter's their guy, he's going to be very thankful to have him in the backfield because that kid can do everything. Yeah, what kind of fantasy outlook do you have for Bijan? Do you think he's like an RB2 this year, or where do you think he'll end up? Because I feel like he's going to get a shit ton of carries right away, right? So that's the reason they. Do you remember um, what uh, – what's his name? The kid in New York with the Jets last year. Brees Hall. Brees Hall. Do you remember Brees Hall, before, what he was doing before he got hurt last Dude, year? Dude, he was killing it. Now add pat, like pass catching ability, pass blocking ability. Like there's no reason in hell unless he's dead tired for Atlanta to take that kid off the field. Like he can literally change your offense because there's going to be times you have to account two people for him. Like legit, you're going to have to have two people on him because no linebacker is going to be able to hang with him in space. You're going to have to bring either like a hybrid safety down or something. You're going to have to stack the box against him because he can run inside and outside the tackle. And that's something you don't want to deal with because as soon as he bounces outside, no corner is going to take him down in open space. It's over with. So I'd, I'd say RB1. Uh, people may not take him RB1, but you mentioned Saquon. And if you played fantasy Saquon's rookie year, he, he was, was an RB1 as far yeah. as being drafted-wise. Bijan will be the same way. Wow. So he'll be gone pretty – probably second or third round, it sounds like, huh? Yeah, and I mean, there'll be somebody who reaches and probably takes him in the first. Um, but yeah, he's not going to last past the fifth round. Like, this isn't real life NFL where running backs lose their value. We need running backs in fantasy. So, who do you who's your who do you think's going to end up being the number one guy this year? You think uh, CMC maybe, or one of the QBs for PPR top five picks? Top five picks for PPR? Yeah. Um, QBs included? Definitely. Okay. Um, I would say CMC's definitely probably it, – well, not probably. He's top five. Saquon's going to be top five. Um, let me see. Pat Mahomes is going to be top five, bro. I fuck up every year and sleep and think nobody's going to take him before the sixth round, and he's gone in the second. So I'm not doing that this year. Pat's going to be top five. <laughs> Lamar, Lamar will be top five if he plays the whole season. I'm not going to account for injuries in this discussion. 
but Lamar will be top five. And I would say, man, honestly, Debo will probably be top five. Wow, okay. You think they'll get him more involved again this year, huh? He's So the reason I say this, it last year was rough because they had him playing running back and shit like that. But if you think about the year before when he was just a receiver, he was literally probably the best player in the NFL almost the entire season. So, like, I think him being able to go back to a traditional receiver position, um, he'll, they'll still use him out of the backfield with CMC and things like that on gadget plays. But his biggest um, benefit is that Brandon Ayuk has come on to be a really, really good receiver um, in his, I guess, absence, you can call it, from the receiver position last year. Brandon Ayuk's definitely a high-end wide receiver, too, both real-life and fantasy perspective, and that's going to help Debo a whole lot when it comes to getting his targets back because uh, last year they were forced to really – get creative when they finally got CMC because they were trying to make that push and be in a higher seed in the playoffs. But having CMC from the jump, um, I think Shanahan's going to have a, he has had a lot more time to really put together um, a dialed in playbook around all of his playmakers. And he's going to find an even keel between Debo and CMC and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle and whoever else you want to throw in there because they have so many weapons, but, Debo's probably going to be in the top five. He might be the number two receiver behind uh, Justin Jefferson this year, in my, in my opinion. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I could see it, man. Um, what are you thinking about DeAndre Swift? Is a new scenery in Philly? Do you think he has a chance at doing something productive? I know they have a really good O-line. That's kind of where my head's at now. I just wanted to see what you might I'm I'm like, hey, man, again, no injuries in the discussion, but, like, you look at what Miles Sanders did in that backfield last year alone, DeAndre Swift is a far more uh, electric running back, and he's probably better in the passing game than Miles Sanders was. Um, you still have Kenneth Gainwell back there. That's going to, you know, help relieve him a little bit and take some pressure off, but, again, it's a new scenery and I think that's going to help him a lot in a new system. And also with a QB who can run the ball also, because that's going to keep defenses on their heels. Um, you literally have at any given time, two running backs who can take it to the crib in the backfield when Jalen hurts has the ball in his hand and Deandre Swift is back there. So, and they didn't lose their, either of their high profile receivers. Philly's offense is going to be fun. I know they lost their OC. Um, but I don't really know what that dynamic looked like as far as as far as play calling. I wasn't that dialed in with their team. Um, but it'll be interesting to see um, how Jalen Hurts comes back with this new fat wad of cash in his pocket um, and a new running back back there. But, yeah, I think DeAndre Swift will love the new scenery. Um, he's going to be electric in Philly. It's going to be fun to watch for sure. Switching gears to college football, uh, I know you're obviously a huge fan of college football as well. Uh, the NIL, that came in, what, two years ago now? Um, how has that in the transfer portal changed the landscape of college football as you? Um, it's made Nick Saban a salty old man in Tuscaloosa, <laughs> Alabama, first off. <laughs> 
he can't get away with just giving the McDonald's bag away in a Dodge Charger and get every recruit in the nation anymore. So that's first thing. But no, in all realness, man, um, it's been a long time coming. Um, you know, as when I was a high school athlete and, you know, obviously having big dreams of playing D1 football and going to the NFL and things like that. Um, granted, I only went D2, but like just the thoughts of somebody who's getting a full ride scholarship to go play football and you're bringing all this money into these institutions and some of these kids are still having to make their own peanut butter uh, to eat a sandwich. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then on the other side of it, you look at, and I'll use USC as an example, you look at before NIL with people getting caught up with sanctions, you know, we got the death penalty, you know, like Sue Cravens talks about it on Twitter all the time. Like he was in the dorms, like having to make a pack of top ramen last for two days because wow. they didn't even have meal plans for players at USC during sanctions because they couldn't. Um, so it's like outside, there's a lot of people who feel they don't like NIL because these guys aren't pros. But at the end of the day, man, I don't feel it's wrong for a young man who is an adult. He's not like they're still kids in a mindset, but like you're they're 18 year olds and up and they're going to school to play the game they love, of course, which is like a job interview for three years, sometimes four, uh, but they're struggling. And it's like you, you got people wearing their jerseys, people getting autographs and they're getting treated like pros but yet they're struggling just to live life and having to go to school every single day as well as play one of the most grueling sports possible i love that they can make money off of their name image and likeness now but we're seeing how bad it could be for young men getting millions of dollars and granted in the since it came out two years ago they found ways to tighten up on it and there's collectives now within institutions that the schools, you know, background check and make sure that they're legitimate. They have lawyer NIL lawyers. Now you have um, agents who are focused strictly on NIL for these kids to make sure that they're trying to do the right thing. The only thing that I wish they would incorporate in every single institution um, is financial literacy classes. Um, I think that every institution whether it be within the sports programs alone, because they're the ones who get NIL, um, or it's just, you know, student athletes have to take the class um, in order to play the sport that they play or in order to get NIL in the first place. But like, I think it's dangerous to have somebody, for instance, like it's, he's not doing anything bad with it, but think about Caleb Williams. Like he just came off the Heisman. Yeah. He's been on a world tour, dude. Like he's, you know, been on the runway in Paris, like in fashion shows, and he has all these sponsors and everything like this. Um, he's has an NIL value, I think, of like $6.2 million or something like that. So it's like, you think about somebody who, you know, doesn't have their parents and, you know, might be a kid who really came from the trenches and is really good at football, and you're sending him to go back home with his homies with millions of dollars in his pocket with no guidance or not knowing what to do with it. Those are the guys who get in trouble. Those are the guys who go broke and do stupid shit. You know what I'm saying? So I think financial literacy classes would definitely be the only thing I would want incorporated within NIL. Um, but as far as the transfer portal, I love it. I never found it fair that coaches could just up and leave and go to different schools whenever they got an offer. Um, I do think there should be 
a little more a little bit of a tighten chain on it i don't think it should be unlimited transfers mm-hmm. um i think you should get two transfers for no for any reason that you want um and then after that it has to be a reason either academic you're a graduate transfer um i mean i don't know about getting kicked off the team and stuff i guess that's more of a each program has to see how they feel about what the player did type thing yeah. but the fact that kids can transfer if the situation's not right for them and not just be stuck at a school where maybe, you know, the coaching staff changed and they bring in their own recruiting class. Like look at Colorado with Deion Sanders. I think by the time he got done cleaning house, there was less than 10 players that were on scholarships the year before. left. Wow. So like, think about that. What if those kids weren't allowed to transfer and Dion was like, you're not good enough to be on my team. And they just couldn't play football and just still had to go to the school. You know what I'm saying? Like that would suck. So I think they should tighten the chain a little bit. I don't think kids should just be able to transfer 17 times within a four year period. Um, But I think the transfer portal is definitely beneficial. Um, And it's definitely been beneficial for a lot of teams, USC being one of them. um, I mean, a lot of teams are taking advantage of it, but at the same time, a lot of teams have natural benefits, you know, like no matter how many boosters are putting money in, if somebody was like, Hey, we'll give you $2 million to come play at the university of Idaho. Honestly, I don't want to be a vandal, not even for $2 million, especially if I'm trying to go to the NFL. Um, so, you know, there's power five teams, you know, in the big time conferences do have the upper hand, but I also think the players who, how are talented enough to go to P5 aren't being recruited by G5 schools. So I guess that's the difference there, but you're always going to have unfairness that people look at. Um, but again, the SEC can't get every big recruit in the nation anymore because you can't just hand them a McDonald's bag with a million dollars in it because it is now legal and we can all. <laughs> how do you like USC's chances competing for a national championship this upcoming year? We should at least be in the playoff. We should have been in the playoff last year. Um, Pac-12 championship, Caleb tore his hamstring off the bone. Uh, that didn't happen. I personally think we would have waxed the floor with him, but the kid was hobbled, couldn't really do much. But I think we should be in the playoff, and I think we can get to the national championship, man, but I have to see what our defense looks like. Like, you guys follow me on Twitter. Like, all last year, all I complained about was our defense. Uh, we've gotten some good, talented kids that are either coming in this year um, or were maybe freshmen last year. And then we got some high-profile transfers as well, like Bear Alexander on the D-line, Anthony Lucas from Texas A&M on the D-line, some good linebacker transfers and stuff. So if the defense comes together, man, we can definitely – compete for a national championship because our offense is probably top two and probably not two in the nation. Do you think the portal has also allowed like a lot more parity? Like has it made it a lot harder for just, you know, like you said, Alabama just repeat nonstop. Do you think it's much more up in the air who could win it next year partly and because of Not yet. Um, I think we're still too early in it, but at the same time, um, you're seeing 
and again, I keep using USC as an example, but we're probably the best example with how things have kind of been coming together the past few years. But like we get Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma. And before he got there, the year before we were four and eight, we had Clay Helton as our head coach who had been our head coach for seven years too long. Nobody cared about USC anymore. Everybody thought we were a dying program. And then Lincoln Riley comes in. His first year, he wins 11 games, almost goes goes to the Pac-12 championship, one game away from going to the playoff. We get our asses whooped in the Cotton Bowl because our defense is terrible. But on the parity side of things, it shows you that a blue blood who's been on the losing end for the better side of a decade, one high-end coach with the influence to bring in a high-profile quarterback from the school that he just left who was arguably, I think he was the number one dual-threat quarterback in his class in 2020 or 2021, and then brings in a handful of transfers and does all of that. And then this offseason, you see more and more kids are more willing to come to USC. The attention is back. People are hating us again. Like, it's good when people hate (laughs) USC because we're arrogant as fuck. And so when people hate us and that's all you see in the media is people hating on USC, that's when you know we're doing things. So like on the parody side of things, on the blue bloods, I think it can happen. But at the end of the day, as long as Nick Saban is at Alabama, Kirby Smart's at Georgia, Dabo Sweeney's at Clemson, like the people you've been seeing in the playoffs since it started, Ohio State, they're always going to be there. Uh, But there's a lot more chances for people who have been sleeping giants to start making noise again. Um, and I think we're going to see that this year. Like we saw TCU make the playoff, bro. I didn't think anybody other than Oklahoma out of the big 12 would make the playoff anytime soon, but TCU did it. And then they smacked the dog shit out of Michigan. But Love then they came it. up against those teams that we just mentioned. Yeah. You know, they came up against those teams we just mentioned and look what happened. So the parody can only go so far right now with the transfer portal, but times are changing. I know you had mentioned uh, requiring the athletes to have a financial literacy class. Uh, I think another beneficial thing would be having like uh, some sort of like mental health uh, class and just educating them about the importance of talking about that. I know that's something that we all talk about is the, you know, importance of your mental health and part of that is being open and honest and being able to talk about that um what are some things that you guys are that you like make sure that you do to help improve your mental health man i'm glad you brought it up and i'm i'm glad it segued off of college football um because again as we mentioned like these are still kids in a mindset you know like again on like the blue blood side of things you have 17 year old kids, you know, coming in from being the top dog in their high school, you know, the best thing since sliced bread in their high school, going into being the little dog again and the freshman in college. And a lot of these kids, when we're being honest about it, you know, are young black men. Um, and a lot of them are coming from environments that you know, talking about how you feel and talking about your mental health is looked down upon. Uh, And I can speak on that from experience because that's how it was for me as a young black man, as a kid coming up, you know, always told to, you know, you know, 
what are you crying for? You don't have a reason to cry. Or what are you sad about? You don't have anything to be sad about. Um, and that's carried on and affected me very well into my adulthood. Um, even at the age of 32, it affects me. Um, and it took a long time for me to realize that. Um, I used to really kind of blame myself for everything I was going through, not really understanding what mental health even meant. Um, I think it's still very new um, thing that's mentioned every single day. Like I think just even 10 years ago, like never really heard people talking about mental health. Like I was like, what the hell is mental health? You know what I'm saying? But like now you're starting to see people, especially men, uh, you're starting to see us more comfortable with seeking out help. Um, for a very, very long time, like my only person I would talk to about anything was my mom. Um, but, you know, I have started seeking out therapy. And one of the big things that identified that to me was like, you know, I've been with my fiance for going on five years now. And once I started having to spend every single day with somebody and see how, you know, my mood and how I was impacted another human being uh, was very eye opening for me because I saw how much of a negative impact I had because of how I felt inside my head, but I didn't know how to deal with it. And I think there's a very, very high percentage of men who sometimes may have too much pride to talk about how they feel. Um, They may be fearful to talk about how they feel. They may not just be comfortable uh, because they've always been told that nobody wants to hear how they feel. Um, But I definitely want you guys to know and anybody who listens to this that no matter who you are, man, woman, child, that you need to be heard. Um, Even if you just want to talk about positive things, like it's healthy to talk to people. Um, And that's one thing I've really realized that, you know, holding shit inside, even if it's like, even if it's celebrations, like if you're happy about something, call somebody and tell them, you know what I'm saying? Because the person on the other side of that phone, they may be going through something bad and you telling them good news may help them and re-energize them, give them motivation to, you know, keep pushing, you know what I'm saying? And I, you know, how we don't, we've never really had a stigma of talking to our friends. And especially, again, it comes back to men because I think we struggle with it the most, but like, even with your tight group of friends, like, I feel like a lot of us don't open up about the soft shit. Like, that's why I call it the soft shit. We talk about sports, we talk about work, we talk about this and that, but it's like, damn, man, how's like, how's your family doing? You know, even if you don't know their family, but like, I don't ask people that enough. Like, but I have a buddy, his dad, every time I talk to him, he asks me, how's my family doing? He's never met him. And it's like, well, you know, why is he asking about my family? Because that's good to, for people to ask. So you can speak on it because, you know, even if like maybe a family member's going through something and you weren't comfortable to talk to somebody about it and let them know how you're feeling, that person asking you how your family's doing might trigger you to talk about it and it may make you feel better. And you may be like, Oh damn, this is somebody who maybe I can reach out to and talk to and just vent. You know, I don't think there's enough avenues for us to really um, explore different ways to better our mental health. Um, And I think that the more we talk about it, the more that people will get comfortable with it. Um, And I think the more we talk about it within close spaces, the more people will start doing it because you can preach it on social media and make TikToks and all of this. But until, you know, people like us, the three of us start talking to our close friends and seeing how they're doing 
and making them open up and talk to see, you know, how comfortable they are with it. We won't really get anywhere because I think the biggest thing, again, speaking from experience, we don't want to listen to people that we don't know. And I was really hard headed about that for the longest time until I started doing therapy. And I'm like, oh, shit, like they ask the right probing questions like they know how to unlock certain things for me to just diarrhea at the mouth about all the shit that's been bottled up. And then next thing I know, I'm like, damn, it's like a weight came off my shoulder. So like, I would say if you're not comfortable with seeking professional therapy, just start getting comfortable with talking to people you trust. Um, I, you know, I don't like, I don't trust very many people. And that's why I always only talk to my mom for the longest, but like, even you guys, like Sam and Jake, like you guys became really close friends with me, mostly because we were trapped inside that damn office at R2 for so long <laughs> because we couldn't, we couldn't work remote. Dude, but yeah, like, man. You guys became, you guys became really close to me because you guys asked things like that. Like you guys gave a damn enough to ask like how things were at home or like, how's the girlfriend? Like little things like that. And I don't think that happens enough. Um, and the more we do it again in our close spaces, the more we'll make the people close to us comfortable. And then instead of it being a pass the fuck buck, it'll be like paying it forward with mental health positivity. Yeah, it's beautifully put, man. I honestly couldn't have said it better. Um, and like you said, I mean, part of it is that we're social creatures. So a lot of it is just talking about it and you got to take that one step forward. Um, because it's not only about you talking about it, but maybe that one person that needs to hear it. Yeah, hundred percent. You nailed everything, EP. You know, and really the the only thing I would just add to just to speak a little bit more on speaking with someone. You know, sometimes when you verbalize something, a situation that happened, you gain more understanding on why that situation went down the way it did. And that, for me, that perspective that you get from being able to verbalize everything that's going on, you, at least for me, um, I just always come away, not only do I feel like there's a weight off my chest, like you were saying, but I come away with recognizing, okay, well, I didn't actually remember it a hundred percent the way it happened because my emotions were just running so high at the moment and I didn't really know exactly what was going on. But by replaying the incident out loud, I'm thinking, Oh shit, you know, that's exactly why it happened that way. And it's almost like I'm answering my own question by being able to talk about it out loud. And, um, man, I really find that super valuable. You know, and even if you're just doing it with friends too, like how many times have you been hanging out with your boys and you'll say something and everybody kind of gives you that side eye look like, mm, I think you're the asshole in this situation, you know? Yeah, definitely understand that. And it's, you know, like I like the way you put that. It's kind of like the looking in the mirror type thing, um, but it's verbalizing it, you know, hearing it out loud is different than running it through your head. Because uh, when you run it through your head, like it can just turn into a million different things. But when you say something out loud or you write something down, it's, in my opinion, then real. Um, and like you said, you can address it at that point. And I kind of look at it as like a instant modification equals instant gratification. You know, like you can't change something until you act on it. And the first part of acting on something is speaking on it. Uh, so like you said, verbalize it and 
kind of understand why it happened and then take your action to change it if it needs to be changed. Um, but yeah, like mental space, man, it's just, there's so many different things that go into it. And like one like big, big stigma that started some years ago that I saw drastically change, especially in the small area I'm from was just like physical fitness, like everybody wanting to be in the gym. And like when it, when that trend first started, like a lot of people would talk shit like, Oh, you're just going to the gym for this or that. But it's like, why were we mad that people were wanting to go to the gym? But then as years go by, it's like, that's when then mental health starts getting talked by more. And it's like physical fitness plays a big part in mental health. And that's one thing that I have to start working on again myself because I put on a lot of weight and majority of it was from my mental health. And it's like, like figuring out how those two things work together was insane. And I'm just like, holy shit. Like I'm understanding why things are happening certain ways based off of just where my mental health is. And I didn't want to keep letting it slip uh, because I just, I felt myself and saw myself turning into a person I didn't want to be. Um, But it's not an overnight battle. Um, And I, again, anybody listening to this, I don't want people to get the wrong idea that just going to therapy is going to solve your issues. Talking to your friends is going to solve your issues. Like for a lot of people, it's a lifelong battle. You know, for me, it's been a lifelong battle. Um, and I'm just now starting to understand what my battles are. Um, but I'm also starting to find comfortability in trying to help other people, even though I need a ton of help my damn self. But I also know how it feels to not have anybody to talk to. So I don't want to make myself unavailable to people who are in the position I used to be. I'm glad you mentioned the physical part because that's something that I discovered like uh, personally when I started doing yoga and that helped my back and just how much better I felt on a day-to-day basis. Um, And just recognizing like how much of your physical health also plays into that mental health. It's really wild. Uh, You know, like you said, exercise, but also your diet, your sleeping patterns, Um, even something as small as like, I've grinded my teeth my entire life and I never got a night guard. Like I had a night guard off and on, but usually I'd stop using it. Um, but I started using one again and it's amazing how something small like that makes me feel so much better during the day and waking up. 100% like it'll be toward the end about my word of the week, but uh, we'll we'll circle back to kind of that example that you just gave us um, with my. Um, <clears throat> I know uh, one thing that we also share in common is a love for music. Um, what are some like new artists that you've recently been re- listening? Come on, man. You know my first answer is that boy Big X to plug. Yes, Dallas, sir. <laughs> That's probably been, yeah, my Big number one. Yes, sir. So, like, Big X, man, I was on Twitter one day. Um, and, you know, like, the way Twitter algorithm works now, it, most of the stuff you see isn't from people you follow. It's just random shit. And I came across this video. And it was like one of the first videos I saw where like there's a group of people rapping with the microphone essentially just hanging from the middle of fucking just the sky. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just like this old school silver mic hanging down. Uh, and I saw this big fat dude and a group of his homies uh, rapping. And I played the video and I was like, damn, he's fucking flowing. So I like looked him up and said it was from Dallas. I was like, oh shit. And I sent it to um, our group chat I have with the boys. And one of the homies is like, I know exactly where that's at. I actually saw them shooting that video. So I was like, damn, that's pretty crazy. But none of them listened to the song that I sent them. <laughs> so then, uh, yeah, like, <laughs> I was like, okay, whatever. So, <laughs> so he comes out with like the song that was in that video on Spotify, like a week later. And I send it to the group. And one of them says, oh, I heard that earlier today. Um, that's this dude. He's from Dallas. Well, I'm like, don't try to explain who he is to me. I sent this video a week ago to you motherfuckers, okay? Um, but yeah, Big X of Plugman, I actually saw him with Key Glock in April. Uh, Key Glock is uh, Young Dolph's cousin, RP Young Dolph. Um, I saw them together in April um, at Southside Ballroom. Super dope, man. Like, I love live on concerts. Boulevard? Yeah, on Botham yeah. Jean um i i love live concerts i haven't been to a ton mostly because i was just too broke to ever afford them when i was younger uh, but now that i can afford to go to them like i've tried to find when like people i really would love to see live um come to dallas because everybody comes to dallas man if anybody yeah. has a tour dallas is a stop um but you know i mentioned key glock he's not relatively new um, but he's definitely on the rise right now, especially since Dolph passed. Um, he's kind of taken over that number one spot out of Memphis. Um, another one is Big Moochie Grape. He's a part of PRE, which was Young Dolph's label. Um, he's from Memphis also. And then, man, I'd probably say those are the ones I listen to the most. I'm kind of excited to see what this that Mexican OT guy out of Houston starts putting out. Um, yeah, that Johnny Dang song. You guys have probably seen it. Yeah, that Johnny Dang song's cracking, isn't it? Yeah, man, it's good. Yeah, it's a dope song. I like that one. And the but way yeah. he just – that he rolls his R's, I don't know how to describe it, but it's – Yeah, just, bro. I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's funny, that's, though. I like it. That's that, that's that South Texas right there, man. <laughs> Are you finding a lot of but, um, new music nowadays on Twitter? Between Twitter and just, like, Spotify's algorithm um, are the two things I find new music with the most. But yeah, Twitter's definitely been one. I follow a lot of like music pages and sneaker pages now, which is probably dangerous. <laughs> um, but I want like you mentioned to kick this subject off that like that was like our common ground that we like we got really close on was music uh, with just listening to music every day at work. But my first concert I ever went to um was rock the bells 2012 uh, no was it no it was paid dues 2012 it's put by the same company but they're different kind of format with who the artists they have but 2012 paid dues i saw tde all together for the first time so kendrick schoolboy absol j-rock all before all of them like blew up and started doing solo projects Whoa. man i got to see flat flatbush zombies uh west side connection sugar free corrupt nate dog before he passed like that was my first ever concert bro and it's like pay dues was literally just like a lot of ogs and 
like new and upcoming artists uh, to put them on the scene and also bring back the OGs who people haven't seen in a long time. So that was probably still to this day, one of the best I've ever been to. Um, I've seen Kendrick live was my favorite artist. I've seen Drake and Wayne live. Um, I'm trying to think Suicide Bullets, love them. I saw them live last year too. So definitely excited to see them again. Uh, Gray Day 2023. They actually got um, their bid at the AAC this time. So I'm like, okay, they're on the come up, but also $200 for tickets ain't really making me happy. Yeah. When I used to go, I've seen those boys for $40 or less a hundred times and now I got to pay two. <laughs> but what about, what about you guys? Like, the reason I love both of you is because granted we all love music, but like both of you are like in different pockets of music at any given time. And it get, opens me up to a bunch of new stuff that I listen to. So I want to hear what you guys have been coming across lately as well. Um, well, to be honest with you, I went to this uh, candlelight, concert with my wife for her birthday last week and it was a string quartet and when we went there we thought it was from uh the beach boys to the beatles so that's what i went in that's what we went in thinking was it was actually from bach to the beatles so johan sebastian bach so the past uh i don't know what's it been four days three days i've literally just been listening to mostly classical music um that's that's my current cake. That and uh, what else have I been listening? I was gonna to say, Jake, you've been lately. into British rap. You've been listening. Yeah, to, that's uh, right. Oh, dude, Ernest little so little sons and Pete and Bob. <laughs> my son is obsessed with this song called "Mr. Worldwide" by Pete and Boss. So if you guys haven't heard it, check it out. It's just really hilarious. These two English grandpas, I don't know, man. They've got to be pushing 75 each, at least. And this rap song, my son is freaking entranced. Anytime the song comes on, he just starts dancing like a madman. Sam can attest to it. It's I don't know how to describe it. It's just weird. He's really obsessed with it. So obviously I play a lot of that. The beat takes over (laughs) his body, man. That's hilarious. (laughs) You know know babies can feel the rhythm in anything, man. It's incredible. But yes, definitely send that to me because, and you said it's Mr. Worldwide. Yeah, I'll send it to you right now. It's, yeah, they need to do a remix with Pitbull on it. (laughs) (laughs) And then Little Sims is the other one that Jake showed me that was pretty good too. Little Sims? Yeah, I found, uh, yeah, I forgot where I found that one. Uh, Probably just, trolling through similar uh similar artists i don't you know it's like the spotify algorithm you know if you see one song that you like uh or add it to whatever where is it okay that's the other one all right i'm sending both of them right now all right done but yeah, man, I went to uh, a Dirty Head, uh, Dirty Heads concert last night. That was pretty sick. Um, I really only knew like their hits beforehand, but I mean, it's you know all sublime and stuff, so it's good music. It's always a good time. I love live music and live shows. 
I had totally forgotten about Yellow Wolf. Uh, I remember seeing him <laughs> on uh, the 2011 XL. Oh, that's what I forgot. I really want to go back and look at like the double XL freshman list from like a five year stretch and see how many of those people didn't pan out. Because I remember he was on there and I thought, like, oh, I wonder who this guy was. And then never heard from him again until last night. Um, but he was actually a really good performer. Um, Although he got the entire crowd to chant uh, crystal meth, and that was really weird, but that kind of that's kind of wild. But yeah, it's it's Yellow Wolf, man. But I'm mad that you didn't uh, invite me uh, to the Dirty Heads, bro. Oh, dude, I'm sorry. I well, I didn't think uh, with your boot that you were really gonna be out and going. Because I mean, I'll be honest, even me, uh, like my feet and legs were tired as fuck. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have went. I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was at the Toyota Music Factory. It was a really good venue. Um, thank God it was indoors. Um, but I think they have, like, a way to open it up. So, like, maybe when it's not as gross out that it's, like, indoor, outdoors. Yeah, that's where um, we saw uh, Revolution. I was... Phew, I was sweating my ass off in there. It was so hot. I was like, yeah, and this man. was during the fall. I was like, come on, man. If I would have known they had something to open up, I'd told them to open that bitch. It was so hot. <laughs> um, I've also been listening to a lot of Ice Spice and Flo Millie. Um, that's the thing. I was really thinking it's crazy. Uh, nowadays, like, female rappers are really, really killing the game, and there's a lot of them. Sam. Like, I mean, all the boys have been talking about it, and we were at a pool party last weekend, and every song that came on was like a female anthem. And we were just looking at each other like, bro, the females are killing us right now. Like, we don't have any summertime anthems. We don't have anything to jam at the pool. Like, what's happening? And then yesterday, it gets announced that Drake's dropping in the middle of July. And it's called for all my dogs. So it's definitely going to be toxic and everything that we need to make a comeback. Look, I, I put in the group chat last night. I was like, Drake's dropping in the middle of July. He's about to bring us back from being down 3-1. <laughs> Did you see uh, Jim Jones drop bars to cut back at Pusha T? Yeah, I just saw the video on Twitter. I haven't listened to it yet, though, because – Put, it's like, garbage. I guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> no, all I, like, on, I saw that jealous. they, I saw that they were like quote unquote beefing, and I was like, man, all I see is that Pusha T's song hasn't even fully released, just the verse, and Jim Jones hasn't said anything other than making like a TikTok or something saying it wasn't a top fifty verse. I was like, dog, y'all are not beefing if you're just on social media with stuff. But like, I pay, I have to listen to what he said, but. All I know is the internet's been saying that Jimmy Capo ain't even really from Harlem. And I was like, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other band I got introduced uh, to by my girlfriend is uh, Mo. They're kind of like a jam band, kind of uh, like Grateful Dead. Yeah, Fish. Uh, I'll send you some of their songs, but we went to a live show of theirs and. Once again, probably nothing I would have like started listening to on my own, but it was really, really good live. Um, 
so yeah i'll send you some of that and then obviously like you said uh big x i've been listening to a lot of him yeah man i play his album probably every single day and then my spotify playlist has almost all his songs on there so definitely like my top played artist right now um and then like i said key glock and then uh big moochie grape i'm waiting for more to drop from him but memphis is on the rise right now i'd say atlanta and memphis are probably putting out the most consistent music right now and then big x is holding it down pretty much by himself with texas sam what's that ocean spray song you were playing at work a lot recently that one was pretty good oh that's by uh money bag yeah ocean spray ocean spray Sam, I'm um, honest, it got to the point where Sam was like, hey, man, I'm sorry, but do you mind if I play this song again? I know I've been playing it a lot. <laughs> the, the Money Bag Yo song? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, man. It's a good song. Uh, I know for uh, top five this week, we're going to do top five all-time teams. Um, and hopefully we did it all the same. So I picked like five different teams throughout my lifetime that I have like distinct memories of as being like some of my favorite teams of all time in different sports. Okay. So I, I did four out of five teams that I've only saw when I was alive. I was like, I don't want to do teams that like were before my time, but I only did one because I had to put them in it. But I kind of did the same thing, just teams that were in my lifetime. Yeah. Jake, were yours in your lifetime? Yeah. Yeah. These were all different sports teams. But okay. Yeah. All since I've been alive. Yeah. Ernest, uh, as our guest, would you like us to do the honor of kicking it off with your number five? Sure. And I'm sure you guys could guess my first one, but the 2007 Patriots. Granted, yeah, we well. did not finish the job. Uh, you can't really sleep on 16 wins in the regular season um, and going 17 and one. I mean, we didn't, like I said, didn't get the job done. Uh, but at the end of the day, you've got to give hats off to the Giants because they played a hell of a game and ended up getting us at the end. Uh, but my number two team is the 2016 Warriors, 73 and nine, uh, breaking the Bulls record for most regular season wins. Uh, my number three is the 2003 Pats. Well, did you start with your number one team? Yes. Oh. Okay. Am I supposed no, to go not. five and down? No, no it's, it's all good. Continue. Oh, Continue. my bad. No, no it's all good. good. So what was number two? The Warriors? 16, the 16 Warriors. The 73 Warriors, and nine, yeah. yeah. Oh, the KD ones? No, yeah. the year before KD. When, yeah, when they broke the Bulls record. Uh, for most wins in the regular season. Okay. And then that was the year they lost to Cleveland. To the Cavs, when, yeah. Yeah, when Draymond got suspended. I thought 2015-2016 was the Cavs that came back from 3-1. It is, but they call it like the 2016 Warriors because that's like the year that the season ended, I guess. Oh, but yeah, the 15, okay, sure. the 15 oh, season started in okay, 15, ended it. in 16 Warriors, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, and then number three is the 2003 Patriots, start of the di- first half of the dynasty. And then we move into, I think you guys 
can both respect this one. The magnificent Redeem team, the 2008 Olympic basketball team, uh, led by himself, Kobe Bean Bryant, after those boys have been getting their asses whooped because LeBron was not a leader at the time. But, hey, Bean came, got the job done, and we got gold again and put us back where we needed to be. Um, and then my last one is the one that's not in my lifetime, uh, but the 72 Dolphins, uh, still the only NFL team to win a Super Bowl without losing a game. Granted, it was shorter seasons back then, but you can't take the credit away from going completely undefeated and winning a championship in any sport. Man, that redeemed team was so well sad. I remember Dude, watching they were. those games and, yeah, just surge of adrenaline. It was so much fun to watch them kick ass. Bro, it was literally like the big homie coming and gathering all the neighborhood knuckleheads and getting their asses in line and running everybody's pockets. Granted, who was it? Was it Spain in the championship game? Yeah. Dude, yeah. goodness gracious. Rudy Fernandez and uh, they had – was it Rubio? Was he – Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure. He would have yeah. played for them then, I think. So I know we're not – this isn't really a topic, but let me ask you guys because I know, Sam, you love basketball. Jake, I know you like basketball too. Is European basketball maybe creeping up to the NBA? Oh. Or have or have we not seen enough players make the transition and be great yet? What's oh. your opinion? Yeah, I mean I don't think, I think like, it's already there. Yeah, I, I not think like, well I think they're almost as almost the similar competition level. I mean the biggest difference is um the there are more and more international stars in this league than ever before. And that number is only going to continue to grow, not get smaller. That's just, I mean, that's just the way it is now. And uh, the NBA is still the best product. That's why everyone wants to come here because we do have the best athletes, but you know, we have all the best athletes in America plus the world. So that's the reason why it is the best league. Um, But that's only going to, you know, the disparity between, international versus american born and like it's only going to get bigger because the once more and more people continue to play basketball more and more people around the world you know are exposed to it so on and so forth you know it's just a numbers game eventually yeah and the reason i ask oh before you go sam the reason i asked the reason i asked this was because i don't know if you guys saw the preliminary roster for the fiba world cup but I think it dropped today and everybody on Twitter is just like, we're about to get waxed. Like there's like, cause you know, back in the day we could put not even our best out there and go win a gold, but everybody's saying like, we can't do that anymore. And we don't have any veteran players on it. Like I, we don't have any guards. Like I think Jalen Brunson and um, I see, I can't even think who the other person is are our two point guards. And it's like we don't have any of the high-profile players on the roster. And, you know, most of the players on the FIBA roster end up going to be on the Olympic roster. So that's why I asked. I'm just like, can we not just go into these international tournaments and compete anymore? We have to have all of our top players. Yeah. Uh, And then, okay, I mean, I'm glad you clarified because at first I thought you meant like, European professional basketball compared to the NBA. And I was like, no, that's definitely not on the same level. 
Um, but in terms of like national play, yeah, I think you're right. I, I mean, I think, you know, obviously countries like France, even Canada, um, the U.S. is going to struggle to compete, especially just because uh, those countries. Three P. Three, what? Just ignore me. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I think those countries' um, development systems are much more geared to making the players uh, more play in, like, a team system, whereas right now, like, the AAU and the current system with uh, basketball, NBA, and how it's played, it creates a lot more ISO guys. So then naturally it's going to make it harder for them to play at the national level. Uh, not to mention, you know, as you said, uh, we're not having the top, top guys out there. A lot of those national teams and eventually Olympic teams, it's the same guys that are playing there since they were 14, 16, so on and so forth. Uh, where these USA guys, you know, that's going to change all the time and who knows who's playing and who isn't. So, yeah, no, I definitely wouldn't be surprised if we see – uh, another country win Olympic gold in basketball sometime soon. Okay, and that like again, I bet on the field not... in Paris, if especially because no LeBron, who knows if Curry's yeah. going to play? You know, you might as well bet on the field. It's not like the U.S. doesn't have a chance to win, but yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, like Sam, I'm like the way you put that as far as like international guys when they're coming up and playing. Like, they're not playing AAU or playing high school or even college. Like, they're 14 playing against grown men. Granted, it's not like the – it's not NBA players that they're playing against. But, like, on the American side, and, you know, example with this current draft that just happened this on Thursday, like, you see so many guys who, like, went to G League Ignite. Yep. And then you had those two twins that came out of that overtime league. And the overtime league is like not even really professional, I don't think. It's just like higher level AAU, I guess. But like you said, it's like a lot of ISO ball and a lot of these young kids really haven't played like, I guess, fully organized basketball. Cause you look at all those highlights of the twins, like they're just dunking on people, shooting long threes and stuff like that. But like, we're not seeing a lot of the, you know, just, basics of the sport anymore with the young guys coming up but internationally you got Luca came over super polished Jokic is the best big we've ever seen probably the best passing big we've ever seen and then you got more and more of these guys just being pumped out and they're so polished because like you said they're playing against grown men since they're 14 compared to just like being uber talented and killing other kids that aren't as talented that are the same age as them. And you even see it at the playground level. I mean, there's a couple months ago, Jake and I were at the basketball court during lunch break, and we played uh, this group of four kids, and we took their worst kid. And Jake was in Birkenstocks, and we schooled them. I mean, obviously, you know, we were taller, so it was easier to block. Um, but we schooled them basically just by doing pick and rolls and passing the ball. And all they were trying to do was ISO and dribble moves. It was so funny. It's wild, man. We're in a wild time to the sport, but I mean, you know, there's more, I, there's more of these young kids coming in than really veterans going out. But at the end of the day, age will get the veterans out. The young kids are going to keep coming. So the sport's going to keep changing. Um, and I think we're like that 
last piece of the old generation that's kind of just getting used to this. Uh, but it'll be interesting. I know scores are going to start being a lot higher as we keep going through. Yeah, man, it's going to be wild to watch the evolution of it. Jake, uh, what were your top five all-time teams? Uh, number five, I had the 2008 USA Men's Water Polo Olympic team. They got the silver medal. Nice. They were really good. Um, they did get a little bit lucky in their match against Serbia, but they won it. They lost to one of the best water polo dynasties that's ever been had. The Hungarians, they won three gold medals in a row. Some of the best players ever. Um, were on that team and uh yeah i mean they came up short but that was my number five was that uh azevedo's last year no that was not azevedo's last year was rio so that would have been 2016 uh number four was the 2005 indiana pacers the malice at the palace pacers um yeah. they were really well on their way to doing something crazy good that year and as a selfish pacers fan i truly believe in my heart that they would have won the championship that year or at least been in the finals that year detroit was a year older detroit uh took san antonio to seven that season and lost Detroit was really fucking good that year. They just had beaten Shaq and Kobe and Gary Payton and Carl Malone the year before. Um, and Indiana was a better team. Uh, you could have left that last obviously part Obviously, that whole – yeah. <laughs> but uh... – <laughs> sorry, Jonas, you're right. I could have. My bad. Uh, moving on, moving on. Number three, 2,000 Indiana Pacers. Lost in the final, the Lakers. I love that team. I really thought they had a chance. You know, obviously the Lakers were better, but um, yeah. Number two, 2006, Indianapolis Colts. Super Bowl champs. Peyton's only Super Bowl with the Colts. Um, In my opinion, I don't even think that was their best team while he was there, but they were still a really good team. They beat... uh, Horrible Rex Grossman led Bears offense, but an amazing team. And uh, yeah, that that was an amazing run to watch. Um, I remember my dad let me order a Super Bowl t shirt that night as soon as the game was over off the internet on a computer. I was so happy. Um, number one for me, um, not a professional team, but the 2008 Michigan State men's water polo team. It's my freshman year. We won the national championship. I was super proud of myself, and uh, that will always, you know, hold a lot of special memories for me. So that was my top. That's one. fucking fire, man! Winning it, like I'm sorry, but like, granted, I've never made to professional or anything like that. But like, I feel like if I did. I would rather win a national championship with my institution than like a Super Bowl or an NBA championship. Just like I would love to win both, but if I had to pick between the two, man, I just I don't know. I feel like you got to really fucking grind for a long time at the collegiate level. Just not even like 
years, but like in practice and no matter what sport it is, but like to be a part of it, integral part of it, like a starter or a role player and being a part of a national championship, man, I'm just like, ah, I just feel like I would love that more because I, you're not getting paid to do that shit. It's for the love of the game, the love of what you do, and everybody who you're playing with like is going for the same thing. There's not somebody over to the side like, oh, I don't really care. I'm still making my millions. Like everybody's fucking grinding. So like I, that's dope that you want a national championship. Yeah, man, it was it was amazing. I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was um, it was a very special time for me, and obviously for the club. And yeah, they uh, they won it again. What was that, Sam? Last year, or the year before, they won yeah. another one recently. They did really well again too. Yeah, I know. I sent them like twenty bucks, so I hope they won the year I sent the twenty bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Samwise? Uh, yeah, my number five uh, opposite Ernest was that year the Cavs came back uh, from being down 3-1. Um, I thought that was amazing to watch LeBron and Kyrie just put the teams on their back. Um, that block, uh, it was just insane. Um, number four uh, and number three, interesting, both the same years. Uh, number four was 99-2000, the MSU Spartans that won the national championship. Um, there's so many guys that I'll always remember from that team. Uh, Mateen Cleaves, obviously, but like Adam Ballinger, Matt Ishbia, now owner of the Phoenix Suns. Um, Jay Rich, Mo P, Aloysius, and Agandier. Um, yeah, that was, uh, and what, like a couple years after we had moved to Michigan. So I just remember we watched all the games, and it was obviously like a really big deal when they won. Um, and then that same year is when the Lakers beat the Pacers. Um, and although Jake chose the Pacers team, I'm actually going with the Lakers team because wow. that's when I like became a full-time Shaq fan because wow. Shaq just fucking demolished them. Um, but obviously, you know, uh, Kobe, Rick Fox, um, D Fish, Ty Lue, <laughs> but Fox. yeah, Shaq Daddy, man. <laughs> the Shaq Pack from Burger King, an amazing meal. <laughs> Oh my god! I would. I'll never forget it. Sour sourdough bread, burger, cheese dipping sauce. It was so good. You guys always kill me with these stories about the Shack Pack dog. I I would demolish one right now, bro. Hearing stories about you guys when you were younger and like eating, I'm just like, I just know. Miss Nancy was in a hell with you guys sometimes with food. <laughs> <Yeah. you know? laughs> I don't know how they afforded it, man. Uh, Jake no. and I talk about that all the time. It's a mystery. <laughs> Three uh, kids, I don't know how they did it, man. Yeah, insane. Uh, number two, the 2002 Atlanta Falcons, the Mike Vick show, man. Um, I loved uh, growing up. My mom was from Virginia and she was like really into college football. And so she kind of all wanted us to pick a school that we would root for. And then uh, mine was Virginia Tech and they had Mike Vick. So I started following him in college. And then, yeah, when he made it to the Falcons, he just lit it up, man. Uh, I was a huge fan of him. Um, 
And then number one, uh, it was Jake's number four, but my favorite Pacers team, I would say, me personally, I think in my lifetime, the closest they were to winning a championship was that Malice at the Palace team. Um, Just because, you know, like Jake laid out, if that fight doesn't happen, I I mean, Ron Artest, Steven Jackson, that was Reggie's last year. That was like Jermaine O'Neal's last good year, I feel like. Um, Jamal Tinsley. that was a really solid team, and I really think that, you know, if the Pistons won it, the Pacers could have won it. Yeah, I mean, Rick Carlisle was the coach. They had a really, really good foundation. Um, I think they could have won it all, obviously, but, you know, I'm biased, so. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, you know, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Next up, we have uh, the quote zone. Quote, quote zone. zone. Quote zone. Uh, Ernest, would you like us to do the honor of uh, going with your quote first, leading off? Yeah, 100%. Um, so the quote I chose is one that's kind of been with me probably since I was a freshman in high school. Um, my freshman football coach used to say it all the time during practice. Um, and talking about mental health today, um, I think it kind of ties to that because, again, you know, mental health can really be a battle. Um, and a lot of us don't know how to deal with it. And, um, you know, suicide rate, you wish it would be going down, but it's consistently going up by small percentages, unfortunately. Because um, a lot of people aren't, again, don't know how to deal with the things they're going through. They don't want to deal with them. Um, but my quote is, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog. Um, it's, you know, though the issues may be huge, you know, it may not happen today, it may not happen tomorrow, and it probably won't. Um, but it's just all about continuing to fight. And if you really want to get through it, you can. Um, and to close that, it's really just don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, asking for help is something that everybody needs to do these days like we're in very very tough times economic wise um life in general is just hard hell people don't like sitting in traffic and that could be enough so you know just keep on pushing ask for help um and don't be afraid to fight the good fight for yourself because you don't take care of yourself you can't take care of other people beautifully said man amen to that Jake, uh, I'll let you follow up that one because mine's not going to be anywhere close to as good as. Well, I went for a joke this week, so sorry, guys. This isn't a good follow up. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say it, and uh, I just have you guys. Uh, I just have one question for both of you. You know, if you're gonna work at this in this <laughs> restaurant, how do you feel about frontal male nudity? <laughs> <laughs> it's from waiting and Ryan Reynolds, you know. Oh, I, I one of my favorite think, movies ever. Me too, dude. I don't think my fiance has seen it. I have to. <laughs> oh, she's she's gonna be like, "What the fuck is this, dude?" We used to quote that at work all the time and made people so uncomfortable. 
But I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how people feel. You can't mix Mexican with continental. No, you can't, man. <laughs> oh, garlic sauce. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Dane Cook is a madman for that movie, dude. <laughs> man, he had a run, dude. I wish, uh, I wish he was still cranking out some of those funny, ridiculous. Dude, him. Well, I guess they were rom-coms, I guess, right? Ra- Raunch-coms, more yeah, or less. I was going to say yeah, rom <laughs> uh, Mine was also a funny one. It's um, from I Love You, Man. Um, it's uh, Paul Rudd's character is uh, and Jason Siegel's. Um, but Paul Rudd goes, I made reservations to play golf on Sunday for the four of us. And then Jason Siegel's, no, Pete, I told you I don't play sports with women. Look, man, you told my fiance that she needs to give me blowies in front of my whole family, all right? You owe me. You make a valid point. <laughs> um, I was just watching it the other night, and it made me laugh, so I had to share it. Dude, I love that movie, um, mostly because – so, like, my little brother and I – He's a year younger than me, um, and it was when I, like, his senior year, right after I graduated, is when I, like, got non-legally adopted by my now family and started living with them. Um, so, like, I love you, man, and stepbrothers were, and and also, if you guys have never watched it, it's not a cheer movie. It's just a movie about cheerleading. Fired up. Yeah. You never watch Fired Risk Up, bro. Biscuit, one of the, yes, man, <laughs> one of the funniest movies ever. But that Step Brothers and I Love You, Man, we can literally quote every line from beginning to end. Um, and our nicknames for each other also came from I Love You, Man. He calls me Bro Montana and I call him Tico Smohe um, instead of Tico Brohe. So that's where our nicknames for each other came from. So that's a, that's a personal quote that I love from that one, man. That's awesome. That's amazing. Um. Last but not least, we have Word of the Week. Word, word of, of the, the week. week. Word of the Week. Word uh, of the Week. Ernest, would you like to continue the pattern and lead off? Word to Big Bird. I can surely do that for you. <clears throat> My Word of the Week. Um, I mean, it can kind of tie to mental health again. Um, but this is just kind of a personal one for me as of late. Um, you guys probably saw my IG story uh, that I posted. I started listening to an audio book about habits, um, the autonomy of habits. And habit is my word of the week. And it's personal to me right now because I've been trying to develop better habits and understand, you know, why I don't do things that I know I want to do, whether it be work out every day, eat better, more consistently or anything like that, but just how the dynamic of forming a habit goes, the dynamic of breaking a habit, um, but also just the dynamic of habits in everyday life. And one big thing about it is we have millions of habits that we've just learned since we were born and we don't realize it. Like when you go to the bathroom and you just turn the light switch on, like you don't think about turning the light on or where the light switch is located, you just, it's a habit to know where it is because you've done it so many times and it's beneficial to you. Um, so developing good habits, you want to make sure that the habit is beneficial to you. Um, it's positive and it 
does better it does good things instead of bad things for you when you accomplish the habit um and that's the same thing with developing bad habits um you know you do it it's a bad outcome but it doesn't affect you to the point you don't want to change it uh, so that's why on the positive side of things you just want to make sure that you find the habit make sure that it's beneficial and make sure that it makes you feel good so that you want to keep repeating it um, and that it affects you in a positive way so that's my word of the week is habit and that can be applied to any part of life man like i started listening to this and i was like i have so many damn bad habits and even if it's like playing 2k for an hour too long when i could be doing something else like that's a habit but i love playing 2k you know what i'm saying but like I also want to get other things done. So I got to pick my battles and yep. um, maybe split the habit in half instead of just being like play 2K for two hours instead of walking downstairs and go to the gym for that other hour. And I can probably still come back and play 2K, but I still want to get off my ass. So <laughs> that's mine. And you said you posted it on your Instagram story. Does that mean uh, Yugi got you out of the shadow realm? No, this was before the shadow, bro. <laughs> I, um, bro, it's been like three days and I haven't even tried to log back in because I just feel like it's the same thing. It's like if you go to my profile, all my stuff's still there. It doesn't like show that I'm disabled or anything yeah. uh, from like from somebody else's. But for me, it just like says no connection, can't like load and like my internet's fine. Every other app works, but like my Instagram is just like, it shows that I don't even have like a bio or anything. Like I can't see anything. I don't know. I was like, maybe I'm shadow banned, but it says shadow ban. Like you can't even log in and I can log in. So I don't know what's going on. This is when you need to be able to plug it in and out and blow on it and hit it a couple yeah, times on the side. For real. Exactly, bro. <laughs> we need, bring cartridges back, dog. <laughs> Jake, uh, what's your word of the week? My word of the week is cumbersome. Uh, it means hard to manage or handle, carry, use. Um, another way you could use the word would be uh, describing a business that has cumbersome organizational structures. Um, so cumbersome. That's my word of the week. Benedict cumbersome. Yeah, Benedict Cumbersome, for sure. Fucking weirdo. <laughs> um, mine was uh, Coquette. Uh, Coquette? Yeah. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Brothers and Others, hosted by the Marsh Brothers. We wanted to remind you to email us at brothersmarsh at gmail.com with any questions you'd like answered on the pod or any topics you'd like covered. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at brothers, capital N, others. Last but not least, ensure to leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. That's, That's it for now. now. Until, Until next time. time.